Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Callie and Martin of the band The Ballroom Thieves over Zoom video. Callie was born and raised in Boston and Massachusetts and talked about how she got into music, was always drawn to the cello, so she played cello pretty much her entire life was in the orchestra through middle school and high school, and eventually attended Berklee College of Music as a cello player. Martin, on the other hand, was born in Switzerland and didn't move to the United States until he was 13, moved to Maine. We talk about the massive culture shock there. Martin's dad was always in a band, but his parents, Martin's grandparents, didn't want him to pursue a career as a musician. So now he's kind of living vicariously through, through Martin, which is really cool. Martin played in bands, picked up drums at a very early age. I think six or seven is when he learned drums. Later, picked up guitar and started writing songs, doing a singer-songwriter thing. Eventually met Callie at a show. Her band was opening up for the Ballroom Thieves. They had a couple records out already uh, when Callie joined the band. They tell us about playing different college shows, the progression of their career, Putting out a record independently, they shopped it around to a bunch of labels. Nobody wanted it. They put it out, and their biggest song was on that album, a song called Bees, which ended up leading them to their most recent record deal. And we hear all about this new record they have, which was written all during the pandemic. We also hear where they were when the pandemic hit and the shows that they were playing when it all kind of happened, as well as the story behind the song Harry Styles. You can watch our interview with Callie and Martin on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, we would love it if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the Ballroom Thieves. This is about you both and your journey in music. And obviously, we'll talk about the, the new stuff you have going out with Ballroom Thieves. Great. Great. Sweet. Just so you, uh, just so you know, ahead. right off the bat, um, we're recording our audio separately from the video. Right? Oh, okay. You're, you're recording the video, right? I record the video and the audio, too. Well, the, the Okay, great. I mean, the Zoom file, usually the, the audio that comes from Zoom is usually really good. I mean, I don't know. They have some sort of compression on it and it comes out pretty good. And then I tweak that even more after the fact. Okay, cool. We're, so. We can send you an audio file of our, of our side of the audio if you want it. Otherwise, it's up to you. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. I appreciate it. Though. Thank you so much for, for doing yeah. that. People have no sent problem. it in the past and then I'm, it always sounds great. And then it just, I'm like, ah, it's all right. It's not... I mean, if you're an audio guy, you could figure you could hear it. But if not, it's yeah, kind of right. like <laughs> it becomes more of a process than necessary, right. I think, for most people. But I do appreciate it. Thank you so much for, for doing that. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Uh, again, so this is about you both and your journey in music. The band started in Boston. Is that what I read? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Band started both, in Boston. Are you both from Massachusetts? No. Callie, okay. Callie's from Massachusetts. Um I grew up in Europe and then uh, moved to Maine with my family when I was 13. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Callie, you're from, you're from the Boston area? Yeah. Talk to me about that a little bit. And then I'm curious about Martin, where you grew up. Yeah, I was born in Boston. Um, and my family moved to Franklin, Massachusetts, not long after. 
Um, is that like yeah, a suburb I, of Boston? I, so I'm is, so yeah. familiar. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's about an hour from Boston. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I love Boston. I, I lived there for a decade um, from college till after. I miss it every day. <laughs> okay. Are you not there anymore? Are you, are you both not? No. You're obviously, okay. Did you move to LA or? No, we're, we're in Wiscasset, Maine. Oh, rad. About okay, an cool. hour yeah. north of Portland. We wish we lived in LA, especially right <laughs> now in the winter. <laughs> sure. Good call. Good call. Awesome. Yeah. Well, how did you get into music then, Callie? I started playing cello when I was 10 uh, okay. and it just went from there. What drew you to cello? Like a family member or anyone in your family musical at all? No, the cello itself drew me in. Really? Me. Yeah. I always okay. like to say that it chose me chose you and then you just continued with that throughout high school college and on yep wow that's impressive that's cool all right what about you martin so you said you grew up in europe what part what country born and raised where were you where did you come from i grew up in switzerland um and near basel so the northwest corner of switzerland um and uh yeah my mom is swiss my dad is american and so mm -hmm. um i grew up there and lived there until i was 13 and then we all me and my family, we all moved to Maine. What was was your your like parents got a different job or like what took you guys from Switzerland to Maine? Yeah, it was my dad's job. Um, my dad got a job. He's an architect, and so oh, cool. he lost his job over in Switzerland. But um, there was always kind of a you know a plan underneath uh, everything of trying to move to the U.S. at some point, and so mm -hmm. then they just took that opportunity and. Yeah, us kids didn't have too much of a say in the matter, so. Sure. I mean, they always had a secret plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> was that culture shock moving from Switzerland here or to Maine, I should say? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy, that's for sure. I mean, the language barrier was really tough at first. And uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough when you're 13 in middle school saying goodbye right. to all your friends and all the people that you know and, and uh, moving to a, a brand new place. and. You Especially Maine, oh, Maine, yeah. is, Maine is very rural. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I went from a place where you could take a train and a bus to literally anywhere in Europe um, to a place where you need a ride if you want to go <laughs> anywhere. So, um, sure. yeah, so it, was, wow. it wasn't easy. Was it hard? It's interesting. So I would never have guessed that you didn't like English was not your first language. Like, to be honest, like that's right? incredible. It's like better than most English speakers. I think. I know. Wow. Was Native that hard to speakers. adapt? Native. Yeah. Was that hard to adapt to that? It, it definitely was tricky language too, from what I hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up listening to it. My dad spoke English with his friends every night, you know, so we, we sound like we never heard it, but um, never took any lessons or anything, but then, yeah. So, so the first, couple months moving in seventh grade were pretty rough. I just sat in the back of the classroom and was like trying to pick up pieces here and there, but I don't know. It just, once, once we moved, my parents said, you know, we're not going to speak German to you um, while we're there, you know, initially. And so we were just kind of thrown into the fire. And once you're forced to learn a language, especially at a younger age, you, you can pick it up pretty quickly. Wow. That's really impressive. I mean, yeah, like I said, I would never have guessed in a million years that English was not your native language. But um, and, how, and how did you get into music? Um, my dad played music. Uh, he played guitar and uh, his parents never allowed him to pursue it as a career when he was younger. 
Um, so my parents were always very supportive of music and the arts in general. And uh, yeah, I took drum lessons when I was six or seven, um, maybe a little later than that. And then uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to learn the guitar. And so I, my dad taught me a couple chords and, and then I just kind of taught myself from there. And wow. yeah. <laughs> why, why the drums? Why'd you start on drums? Just interested in those? I was interested in them. Um, my dad was in a band and I really liked the drummer. He was a really nice, fun guy, you know, so I, uh, I just gravitated towards it. And I just I liked the idea of of hitting stuff and making loud noises. And <laughs> my parents, my parents like to say that they wanted they got me a drum set so that I could let out some of my uh, energy and anger or whatever. And, and uh, you know, because I would keep it inside a lot. So <laughs> mental Gotta health. The aggression the That's <laughs> yeah, funny. Exactly. That's my I have a. Uh, my younger son is turning six next or yeah, I guess next month. Um, and in the beginning of quarantine, when that all happened, he's just like so much energy. We bought him an electric drum set. We're like, here you go. Smash on this for a <laughs> <Yeah>. while. <laughs> and we finally got him lessons this year. So it's funny or cool to see him like learning, you know, how to play different beats and stuff. So it's cool that you kind of went that same, you know, yeah. you started out. Um, and then you eventually got a guitar. You said your dad was in a band. Yeah, he was in a band growing up and he always wrote his own songs and he played guitar. So, yeah, he taught me some some chords and initially and yeah, E minor and G. So I started. That's awesome. <laughs> so you, you said he's supportive, but like, I mean, that's really cool to kind of see his son doing this as like a career path. Yeah, I think he's uh, like I mentioned, his, his parents wouldn't let him, you know, pursue music. And so mm -hmm. I think that was a big reason why he's, he's kind of living vicariously through, through me and another, another one of my siblings who also plays music, but yeah. Oh, okay. So you're, you're not the only one in the family then that pursued music then? Uh, no, a, okay. I have three, three sisters and one of them pursued music. The other two are in the arts. They, you know, they, they paint and draw and yeah. That's do cool. Photography. Right. <laughs> everyone's on. yeah. Everyone's trying to do their best. That's amazing. And, and Callie, so you played, you said you started on cello or played cello. Mm -hmm. You played bass in the band though, correct? I do. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Uh, so did, when did you start playing bass? Was that later or? Yes. Uh, maybe five years ago, six years ago, started playing for the band. Um, oh, okay. We needed low end, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm the low end zone. So I just okay. took up bass and, and now I, I really, I almost prefer it when playing in the band because I sing a lot and it's really hard to sing and play cello. Oh, I'd uh, imagine. I stand and play cello now too. And that's not the best way to play cello. So I don't, you know, I don't get like the greatest tone ever. And it's, it's a little sad. So with all the singing, I much prefer to stand straight and play the bass. It's just a lot easier. But you also play cello and sing in the band a bit too, I do, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I've seen photos of you, like he, you have this gigantic cello. I, I would imagine that being so hard to kind of, yeah, that's just above me. That's it's crazy. It's just hard to, <laughs> to, to stand. It's like hard to get around it and sing at the same time, but I try Are my some best. cellos like where you can actually hold it standing up? Is that, or is that a totally different instrument? Well, bass, uh, double bass is, is much bigger than cello. Um, okay. That, that would be taller than me. Um, it's and the body would be bigger than mine. Um, but mm -hmm. the cello is about the same size as me, really. Uh, and wow. then there's an end pin at the end of a cello. So I, I pull that out a, a longer oh, okay. so distance. You don't have to, so yeah, I can oh, stand gotcha. up straight. Yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And did you do, did you go to college to, to pursue music or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I went okay. to college in Boston at Berkeley. At Berkeley? Oh, you did go to Berkeley. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were in what orchestra throughout your, you know, academic life, I would say. Yeah. School, high definitely school. always classical stuff. Um, I, I was in the pep band and the wind ensemble in um, high school as well. I played drums. Oh, and, really? Uh, You're also a drummer. Yeah, I sang in the chorus and I just did as much music as possible. Wow. And then, yeah, all all classical stuff, though, until college. Okay, so never like in a band, like around town or anything like that? No, I was in I was in a lot of quartets. Okay. And we I was in one quartet where we wrote our own music. So that was that was my first time kind of writing. And I loved that uh, composing. And then. Mm-hmm. um yeah, no, no bands until college. Okay. And then you ended up going to Berkeley. Did you also go to Berkeley, Martin? No, I wouldn't okay. have gotten in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I'm curious on your story of getting into Berkeley. I've heard a lot of different kind of ways in. And was yours like a sight reading, come play all the stuff audition? Or like, what was your process to get into the school? Uh, it does change every bunch of years. Funny you say that. Um, yeah. When I got in, it was audition based. Um, I applied. I fortunately did not have to share my SAT scores. That's good. <laughs> that was really great for me. Not really much of a standardized test girl. So. Nor am I. I had to take the <laughs> ACTs to somehow yeah. like even have a shot at college. I'm like, I can do okay if it's not just answering questions on some yeah, super right? long Like, tests. What a crazy way to measure our intelligence, huh? It's ridiculous. Inaccurate. Exactly. But, um, yeah. So they took, uh, they, they wanted me to audition and, and I prepared a classical piece um, and and um, Appalachian, oh gosh, I can't even remember what it's called, but unimportant. Um, I did some sight reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some some like ear training, which was cool. It was the only college that uh, asked for that. They sort of, um, they play or sing you a little passage and you have to play it back to them. And I was really wow. glad about that because I'm good at that and I'm I'm not as good at sight reading. So I think those scores maybe helped me get in. Um, I, I didn't enjoy, you know, preparing all my scales and all the classical <laughs> music and, but I'm glad that they asked for this, the, uh, ear training stuff. It was wow. cool. It was a great experience auditioning at Berkeley. That's cool. Yeah. I, like I said, I've heard so many different stories and some people are like, yeah, they just like, let me in. I don't know how, oh, yeah. or, or, or it's like, <laughs> I had to show up with a piece of music. And like you said, like sight read on the spot and do all this, these different things. It's funny how they kind of, I guess it depends on when you apply. If they need people. Yeah, or not. <laughs> yeah they, they change it all the time, which I, I kind of appreciate because there are so many ways to be a musician. And so I think they're just trying to find a good group of people to to join their school every year or every semester. And I, I really enjoy that they change it. I think it's really cool as well. And they a lot of people I've spoke to also did the maybe you did this as well. There's like a summer program before you go to Berkeley. Yeah, and, yeah I didn't do that, but okay, I always see those kids. It's great. And gets like a taste of what it is and if mm-hmm. this is something they'll be able to do. Um, but I, I would I would think if they just started letting people in, because somebody told me like similar to what you just said, Martin, like, oh, they wouldn't let me in or like they let people in then they're like failing out real quick because it's like, I don't know how to do, I can't read music or I can't do this. Like I can write a great song, 
but that's not really, <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's, all it takes when you're there. Yeah, there's a funny joke about Berkeley. I don't know how much it applies over the years as they change the audition process, but people say it's easy to get in and it's hard to get out. Right, right. That makes sense. Or a lot of people will not finish, right? Isn't that kind of part of it right. too? If you get a gig, yeah. it's like, well, why am I going to keep, you know, I'm, I, I landed what I was here to do. And I did it in a year and a half or, or whatever it may be. Did yeah. you end up finishing up at Berkeley? I did. I did. Yeah. Very cool. I'm glad then, I did. <laughs> yeah. And with Maybe you, Mark, it, what, it will ruin my success, but uh, <laughs> sorry in advance. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, so, so Martin, you came here to the States at 13 and your dad was in a band. Did he continue the band when he got here or start a new band or was that kind yeah. of done? He kind of just he played his own music by himself. And then uh, over the years, he, he joined another band and started a new one. And yeah, so he's been in several, several bands since. And yeah, his he's currently loving his his current band. So That's cool. He's having a good time. Yeah. Do you guys ever jam with him? We not as much as we'd like. Yeah, I used okay. to when when I lived at home and, you know, in college, when I would go home for the breaks, I would go and and join his rehearsals and hang out and play some music with them. And that's really fun. But Special occasions. We yeah. Still yeah. That's holidays. Cool. Yeah. Never pull him up on stage for a ballroom thieves show. Not yet. He would love to open <laughs> up one of our shows with his band. Though, oh, I, would I know. Love that. That'd be so Someday. cool. Yeah. That'd be really cool. That'd be a great thing. Um, so when do you start playing in bands? I started playing in bands in, in middle school, you know, just playing silly stuff, uh, playing drums with a friend of mine. And then uh, in high school here, was that in the States when you got here or no? No, that was, that was back in Switzerland. So, you know, I was very young. Um, But then in, in in high school, I started playing in a band uh, with some friends and that didn't really do much. And, uh, and then in college, I just kind of played my own stuff. Um, A lot of kind of concert coffee house kind of things and, you know, solo acoustic stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you, yeah. did you go to college for music or no? Something totally different. No, I didn't. No, okay. I went, uh, I studied philosophy and foreign languages. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. And you were doing singer songwriter thing. And then how does then the band begin? Yeah. So after college, uh, I had this dream that, um, that, you know, the way to be a musician is to just tour and to okay. just go and hit the road. And, you know, so how I far off. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to set up this whole like nationwide tour um, of my my music and uh, me and my friend Devin, we went to, you know, we just kind of set this up ourselves. So I would just email different venues and most of them would, would just send me an email back that said, hey, uh, you don't have a draw or anything. And uh, here's a venue. Here's a venue we recommend if you, you know, to establish yourself in this city. And it's usually just this like divey shithole. <laughs> Sorry if I'm, I don't know. No, if you I can, can swear say whatever you want. Of course you can. Awesome. This divey shithole of a, of a bar. Um, and, you know, we'd show up and play for whoever the regulars were. And, uh, and we didn't make any money or anything. We, you know, we spent a lot of money on that trip, but it was a really fun experience to just kind of get out into the country and see, see what different places are like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So then after that uh, started, working a desk job and I hated it and I, I kept the band going kind of as a hobby on the side. And then at one point I lost my job, I was laid off and, uh, 
And at that point I was collecting unemployment and severance. And so I was like, well, might as well give this music thing a shot. Cause if I don't do it now, I probably never will. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then things just kind of worked out in a way that kept the ball rolling until now. So. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you meet uh, Callie and the rest of the members of the band? So, uh, so we were playing with a cellist uh, for about two years and then she left the band. And then uh, our, our initial member, Devin, uh, met Callie at an open mic. And Callie, funnily enough, was playing one of her last shows with her band at the time at that open mic. And the other person in the band and in her band at the time uh, is now in our band. Uh, so it, it all kind of comes full circle. So she was playing. Yeah, she was in a duo with this guy, John, who now has joined our band uh, as our guitar player and synth player. And yeah. And then our, our fourth member, Ariel, who plays drums, we met him uh, through the recording process. So we recorded at a place called Dimension, Dimension Studios in, in Boston. And Ariel was an engineer there and a co-producer. And so he's worked on all of our albums, you know, since the very beginning. And uh, yeah, so he joined kind of through that we became friends and yeah he's played every role in the band that there is so wow and so once the band kind of starts you you know you guys get your your group together what is the first kind of thing that can like was there a moment that kind of validated the band like okay we need to keep we should keep this going or like was that after a bit of time like tell me tell me about how the you know the ball started to get rolling with the with the band yeah, it must be just a, so many little moments. Right. I mean, I think one of the big things that I always think about is for, for us, we started out playing a lot of college shows. OK. And so it was a way there's a whole college circuit and colleges are some of the last places that actually have money for little known artists. And so, you know, you can actually make a living and, and you know, be able to afford being a musician. Um, by playing these college shows and then kind of build your tours around the anchor dates of the college shows where you're actually getting paid some money, but they're not, the shows aren't great, but you're getting, you're getting a decent fee. And it's great Mm -hmm. practice as well. Right. There's probably a big built in audience there or not. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes you have kids, you know, um, eating lunch with their headphones on and doing homework and they, they just would rather if we were not there (laughs) and other times. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, how does that work? Like I've, I've heard other artists talk to me about these college shows and I guess, and I'm thinking of a college show. I don't, I don't really even know what I'm thinking about. I think maybe I'm thinking of like a frat party or something. And that's probably not at all what you're talking about. Yeah. Like it it runs the gamut. Yeah. It it runs the gamut completely. It's like you can get anything from a, you know, big show with thousands of kids that are all there to see you play or you can get like a lunchtime you play for 40 minutes while everyone's eating their lunch and no one's paying attention. So it's just anything in between okay. frat parties included. So you would what, reach out to college and say, Hey, we're a band and we're, we want to come through and, and, and play. Like, would you just reach out to this? If, if someone actually, was listening and they're like, how do you do this? Like, what was the step? Yeah. There's a college agency actually. Right. There's oh. a, there's a whole circuit. It's called the NACA circuit NACA. Mm-hmm. And it's they do conferences. And so each region has its own conference once a year. And the way the conference works is essentially like a trade show 
where you get a booth as an artist and, you know, it's not just musicians, it's, it's magicians or like any like speakers, anything that any entertainment that could come to a college you would find there. And so then the the colleges all send their representatives to these conferences and then they have showcases and then they book people right there at at the conference. And so you can set up, you can end up going to some of these conferences and end up with like 30 different college gigs all in the same area of the country. So then you can kind of build your tour around that. That's amazing. That's a really yes. cool thing. I, I didn't know that. They even, that even existed. I'm thinking that you're like cold emailing like the dean, like, hey, <laughs> you know, do you got 50 bucks? We'll come through and you know, yeah. play some show. But wow, that's really interesting. I, I didn't know that at all. So it started yeah. there. You'd start doing the college circuit and things yeah. start building just because you're playing so much in front of people. But you're, yeah. you're gathering a great audience uh in all these cities you would not normally be able to play for enough people and be able to afford a tour but if you're playing colleges you're getting college-age students people and so as we grow as a band these kids are growing up and now they're Mm -hmm. in their 20s and they can afford a a ticket and they remember us from college and they'll come see us again so it was a great way to build our band that's really cool that is really cool. It's interesting that you said that. Yeah. Cause in your college kids, there's, you don't have any money or eating ramen or whatever. Yeah. And then once you start getting older, I, I did radio for a long time and it's like the demo I was always in was 18 to 34 year olds. And mm-hmm. like, we'd have great numbers and like the, the, all the top 40 stations are all, that's their demo 18 to 34. But if you look at the ad money, it's always to the classic rock and the old stations, because those are the people that care about like, Aflac or who you know whoever like yeah. some you know insurance company or they're looking to buy a Kia or whatever it is <laughs> if you're 18 to 22 you're not paying much attention yeah, right. probably to that stuff but that's funny that but that's a great idea to kind of they get older with your band and their band that you they saw as small and you guys are progressing and they're progressing with you and it's kind of like a cool like I was there when, you know, they, they started type deal. We, it's awesome. we get, we get some people yeah. like that at, at a lot of shows, you know, people who are like, we saw you in the cafeteria at this college, you know, way back when, and it's great. It's not something that you don't want to stay in the college circuit. You don't want right. to only do the college circuit. <laughs> yeah, you want to hopefully graduate. You, yeah. You want to get to a place where Fun you're it. playing venues and yeah, but yeah. But you don't want starters, to be 40 plus and still in college circuit. <laughs> right. I I, maybe some people make a whole career out of that. We shouldn't say that. People, you, you can totally do that. Yeah. 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 That's fine. I just wouldn't want to, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you 2012, you put out the devil in the deep. Is that your first yeah. record? That was the first, yeah, it was an EP. Yeah. It was the first thing we did. Yep. And we recorded it in Boston and yeah. I, was, I wasn't in the band yet. Right. At that time. Okay. When did you join the band then, Kelly? I joined, oh gosh, 2014? I think so. I think so too. Maybe okay, 13. So what was the first record then that you were on? I, guess I was on a Wolf going. in the Doorway. Okay. And from there the on. First one. And at that point, that the college circuit was obviously still happening. That, that was no, part of it. It was. Okay. Yeah. Maybe for another couple of years. Uh, and then we still play one or two of those colleges. And, really? And that's it. Yeah. They're, they just... They have a great program. Um, there's there's actually a, an amazing one at Bates College. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful room. A lot of people come. It's a listening space. So they really pay attention to the music and they buy merch after. And it's more like a normal show. And they're just doing a great job. 
Very cool. What would you say the next big like milestone? I mean, once you get out of the college circuit, you have uh, with uh, the wolf in the doorway, you have a full record out at this point. Like what was the next, you know, progression in, in the band? That summer, that yeah. summer, we, um, when we released a wolf in the doorway, we played uh, a couple of great festivals. I think this was the year that we played Boston calling in the spring. And then we played Newport folk festival for the first time in late July. Okay. And we, we played a, a lot of shows and a lot of festivals at that time. We were in the years where we could not say no. We felt like mm-hmm. we couldn't say no to anything. So we toured very hard. And I think it benefited us very much. Um, mm-hmm. And along with those festivals, we felt just a slight bump. And okay. things were improving enough where we could move out of our apartments and just tour full time and really really dive into the entire band and submit that was yeah. under everything that's the dream right i mean to be able to just make a living like a legitimate living off of doing yeah what you love sorry yeah. you're gonna say something martin go ahead yeah it was it was also the the first time that we sold out a like a bigger venue in our hometown in boston so we sold out the sinclair um in cambridge which is like a 625 cap room Mm-hmm. And so it just felt like, you know, once you once you establish yourself in your hometown, then you can kind of make the case that, OK, it's working here. So it's going to work in other places, too. And we can just kind of make the circle bigger and bigger. And and uh, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. was kind of the plan from then on out. Wow. I think I watched an interview you all did um, at Boston Calling. I was just kind of when I was doing research and. I think it was you, Martin, the kid asked a question and he, he said something and you're like, oh yeah, this is the first time there. You're like, you said something about like the, the plus was that you got three day tickets or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah. And I got three day passes and like that made it worthwhile. Or It was just really funny. Like the answer that you gave to the kid and he was kind of like, uh, <laughs> like thrown off. <laughs> but um, anyway, that's funny. Uh, so that's huge. Big moment selling at this big club. And then just things just kind of, progress from that point was there a big like spike in something i mean you have a huge song here on on spotify with bees was that something that happened early on or was that like a spotify streaming thing that landed later it's yeah it's it was funny i mean the the with wolf in the door where we got our first label and so that was kind of a big it wasn't a huge spike or anything but it was you know we we were in with right it was was nice to know someone else believed in us right just our team yeah yeah okay and then and uh, that must have been cool to sorry to, to share yeah, with your, your dad right like hey we're in this we're in this band and it's working and we're signed to a label because i bet that's what his his goal is and his dream right aside from his parents not being supportive of it yeah exactly know? yeah <laughs> do you remember calling him and telling him oh yeah definitely yeah I remember calling my parents and yeah they're they're they've been so supportive and they're so proud of us. So it's, it's a really nice relationship there. That's awesome. And when you signed to the label, what, what, what did they do for you? They put you as a, like an opener on a big tour or. No, it, it was a agent? very, it was a very small uh, label. We already had a booking agent. And so um, we were just kind of, we were very busy for the next two years. We were barely at home. There was one year where we had 14 days at home total in the year wow so it was like you know we were just kind of traveling seeing the country and playing tons and tons of shows um the label really helped with financial support Mm -hmm. and and i think we learned a lot from this label as well because um 
we don't, I don't, I don't think we understand quite how labels work in this world, but I, I think they should just be a bank and, and support. And that's mm-hmm. what this label was. And they were, they're so artist friendly. They're the most wonderful people and they really just love music. So, so they helped us pay for things. Um, they that's advanced incredible. things so we could uh, afford them and then tour and then make that money back later. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And it was a great, great introduction into what a label should be for us. Mm-hmm. We got really lucky. That's really yeah. cool. But then, go ahead. It, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, 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 I cut I you was, off. I was going to say it's it's a uh, it's funny because the the next album, Dead Eye, we shopped around to a bunch of different labels because we thought this is a good album. It's got some good songs on it. People will want this, and no label wanted it. So. We were we were kind of disappointed, and then we just said, "Well, all right, we'll just self-release it. Then we'll just put it on all the streaming platforms. We'll, you know, buy our own vinyl and all that, and we'll just go for it." And then, months and months later, that's how we got our current uh, record deal because the the CEO, the president of the of our current label, heard that song "Bees" and offered us a contract on the spot. So it was like, wow, you know, it was a pretty uh you know initially a pretty disappointing thing that you know we were we were hoping that someone might be interested on in offering us a deal but um worked but yeah, it worked out in the end yeah I mean, you guys are on network now yeah okay I and mean, that's a great label it's a big label and that's really but, awesome and um i was gonna say so he he heard bees and so you self-release this record you press the vinyl yourselves you put it on the streaming platforms and the biggest song you have is on this independently released record, which is probably a huge, you know, validating moment for you all like, well, we told you type deal. <laughs> but I mean, to see, to see that song, was that a kind of a gradual build or like, did you see that one really, you know, working early on? That song did well right from the beginning. It did pretty okay. well, but right. it, there was a big spike once, uh, once network came along. But it got on the playlist. It got on the coffee house playlist on Spotify early on. And that really, that really kickstarted the whole thing because there's just, it's a, it's a big playlist. And so a lot of people are hearing the song and it's Mm -hmm. still on that list. So that's awesome. (laughs) It's so amazing. It's incredible how much power these streaming services have now. I mean, it it used to be, I guess the radio, like if you song on the radio, it's like next level, but now if you get playlisted by like an editorial playlist on Spotify, it can honestly change your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They have a lot of power. Yeah. Or better or worse. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, they could just pluck you out of a thing and go, Oh, this is a cool song. Dude. And yep. then, you know, the streams just go crazy, but um, obviously it has to be a good song or nobody. You'd still not, it would just be skipped in the playlists, but yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> Well, tell me, I did read a bit about the new stuff you have coming out and kind of how the pandemic was a real, quite a big effect on the, how the outcome of the songs came or how the songs came. Like, tell me about, you know, 2019, end of 2019, then you're going into the pandemic and how does that change, obviously, everything for everyone, but in, in a sense of you and in, in your band? Oh, my. Everything <laughs> changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, go ahead. We were... Uh... We were touring our last record, Unlovely, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, right, because so, that came out in 2020, right? Yeah, on, on Valentine's Day. So not not long before everything kind of went to shit. So yeah, um, like weeks. So yeah, we 
yeah, we, we played like five or six shows on that tour. We got into a big car accident in Wyoming and had oh to cancel. My gosh. We had to cancel a show. And then, and then we went to Seattle and played a sold out show there. And then after that, all the, you know, everything kind of hit the fan and, uh, we had to cancel pretty much the rest of the tour. And then we went home and we've been at oh, home wow. ever since. So, well, t- um, Oh my gosh. I don't, so wow. The car accident thing. That's crazy. So like, was anyone hurt or like, you know, how, how did you guys we, pass on from that? I mean, that's crazy. We were, we were fortunate enough to, to not uh, be hurt. Um, we were stranded in Wyoming for three days, unable to get anywhere so we had to cancel shows but we were we were really fortunate um it was a really scary mm-hmm. really scary thing so oh, yeah um it's something that you you know when you travel as much as we do you it's it's bound to happen at some point accidents can happen and so um mm-hmm. but you know you never want to be in that position so um sure. but then you know the pandemic following it uh, it <laughs> yeah. was was not a not a great one two punch so um, but yeah, yeah to, to, you know, we were very disappointed because it essentially meant that our, that our record, the, the record unlovely was just kind of, uh, skipped over, you know, it was like, we promoted it. We put all this money into the tour and into recording it. And we were trying to use the tour to recoup some of our investment. And, uh, then it all kind of fell flat. And so we had to, we had to just put that one behind us and get over it in a way. And so that spurred Callie and me on to first do nothing for like three or four months. Like I think most of the world did. Um, and Mm -hmm. then, and then we started just writing, we started writing new songs and, and working on new things. And our drummer, uh, during the pandemic decided to leave the band and focus on other things. And so that kind of also pushed us into figuring out, what the next steps would be. And, and we were able to kind of get creative with it and see where we wanted to take the band. Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 So when you were in Seattle, that, I mean, that was a huge hub for all of the the virus and everything else. Right. And to play a soul, like when you played the sold out show, do you remember what day or what part of the month it was in? Yeah, it was uh, March 4th or 5th like or se- okay. 7th. It's the first week of it March. Was, it was first yeah. week of March. So yeah. there was like probably a, I, I, it's hard to like grasp time now. Like I'm trying to figure out, like I'm trying to remember when, like, like when Tom Hanks got it, that was the turning point. Tom Hanks got the virus and it was like, yeah. Oh, and then the NBA yeah. shut down and all that. But like to be, I've talked to other artists that were on the road and they were start they would start seeing their crowds, like a, like a sellout show. Was it packed or were, or did you know that it was sold out and like three quarters of the people were there? It was packed. Okay. It was the last packed show for sure okay. but um of ours right uh, right oh, here our dog's here so that's fun <laughs> totally cool beagle or is it yeah basset oh beagle no he's a beagle he yeah a beagle. okay yeah. when he was wandering back there i couldn't tell if he was a basset hound <laughs> so it was a packed show that's great it I, was great yeah. in the sense that yeah that it was that there's people there and it's all because i've like i said i've heard stories of people are like oh like yeah and we knew we sold this many tickets and half the people were there because they were yeah. worried about what was going on and obviously no one knew that it was going to be as serious as it was and here we are two years later still kind of yeah. feeling the wrath of it but 
Okay, so this happens. Then you you go home, and then we when went you start to, writing the record. Yeah, so we played Seattle. It was so much fun. Uh, I think next was like Reading or Portland. We played. We did Portland. Yeah. No, Portland was before that. Mm, okay. No, well, it was after. Yeah. Those were sold out too. Anyway, we played a very sparsely attended show in San Francisco. And things mm-hmm. were really starting, I think. Um, everybody was talking about it. No one was wearing masks yet, but it was it was a funny environment. And then we flew home uh, before L.A. We didn't play that show. And and we started uh, just watching news and uh, panicking for four or five months. And, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, then we started the next album. Okay. And so talk to me about the, the new songs you've released. It's going to be an EP, right? The, the full. No, it'll be a full album. Full album. And it's coming out in July. July 15th. Okay. So the full, the full record is coming out. The next single coming out on Friday. Is that what I read? On the, April 6th. So oh, April 6th. Okay. I thought yeah. it was on the first April 6th. And that's yeah. Harry Styles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I want to hear about writing these songs. Like, so once you decide, okay, the pandemic is a thing. How are we going to move forward? Let's start writing a record. Like, what does that look like? For, for us, it was really fun because we, you know, we knew we were going to be kind of in our house for a while. And so mm-hmm. we got some equipment and really kind of built out our home studio a little bit more. And we started just writing and demoing out a bunch of these songs and we had a little more time at home. And so um, it was a fun process creatively trying to, you know, figure out what we wanted these songs to sound like without any external, you know, um, feedback or anything. We just kind of did what we wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a really fun songwriting process. Um, and a lot of the songs deal with either wanting to travel or missing the road or, you know, some, some of the things that are happening in the, in the world. Um, so yeah, we, we had a good time with it together, even though we were in a pretty sad place overall, obviously. Sure. Well, okay. I want to, you guys are engaged, correct? Or am I? Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. When did, when did you guys get engaged? Oh, so many years ago now. Yeah. Oh, really? Ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Before the pandemic and we were going to get married initially in 2020, 2020. September. Yeah. Now we're going to get married this September. Yeah. Oh, really? When? What day? Tell the me tenth. the 23rd because, oh, never. <laughs> Are you getting married too? No, that's my birthday. I'm already married. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool that you guys are engaged. That's amazing. Um, and so you probably, so it was probably easier to be at your house writing together, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And do you, are you two the main songwriters for the, or were you the main songwriters even prior to the, the bass, or you said the drummer left the band? Yeah. Okay. So was yes. it easier? Like, was this an unconventional way to write? Was just at your house between the two of you, or is this pretty, you know, it was familiar? Pretty, pretty familiar. Pretty usual. We were we were already writing all the material, um, but oftentimes it would be more separate at first. So, like, you know, I would write a song, bring it to Cali, and then we would work on it together. In this case, we there were more. There were still some songs that were like that, but then. Mm-hmm more than more often than not we would sit down and write write things together right from the get-go or you know i would come up or one of us would come up with 
a line or something. And then we'd use that as a jumping off point and, you know, build the song around that. It was also just nice to have uh, time and space to, to write things and, and make a little voice recording or a demo instead of cut everything off and, and play a show. We just mm-hmm. had way too much time. So it was, it was great. That was a good space. thing. You think having the, having all that time, did you ever get to a point where you're like overthinking a song or overthinking something in the record? I hope not. Um, we tend to, when we write and when we record, we tend to stop as soon as things feel tense and it's too hard to get something out. We just, mm-hmm. we don't try to fight through it. We just stop and we try something new, try a different song. Yeah. Okay. So, so there were actually, there were a couple songs that we worked on initially and we brought them to the studio, but pretty, pretty quickly we were like, ah, this just isn't, it's, it's not sounding not finished or yeah, it's not sounding the way that we had imagined it. And so then we just said, all right, let's just scrap this one and go back to the drawing board at a, at a later time. And, you know, luckily we had 10, 10 songs that were completely ready to go. And, and those 10 made it on the album. Okay. And with the room you're in now, is that your, is that where you guys practice or are you recording there? Like I, I just actually, a kit with a bunch of mics. <laughs> yeah. We're actually at our drummer's new home in Western mass. Okay. And we're rehearsing for the tour. Wow. Very cool. And did yeah. you record the, the new record at all at your home or was it done just demoed there? And then you went to a proper studio to finish it. Yeah. Right. We recorded on Nantucket uh, at our friend's studio. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We did a, then, we did some uh, some overdubs and vocal you know last minute vocal things a couple of things at home but mostly at the studio. Okay, and with the new song Harry Styles, what can you tell me about about that one? That is it about was, Harry Styles himself? Sure, it is absolutely about Harry Styles. Um, we both <laughs> we both really love Harry Styles. We think um, other than the fact that he's a very good looking man. Um, he, he is, is just a very good looking man. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> um, but I, we also both, we think he's such a good role model for young boys and, and, you know, people in general, but he's, he's kind of the antithesis of toxic masculinity, you know? So um, I think he stands for the right things and uh, he, yeah, he's just a really, really good person for mm-hmm. young, young boys to look up to, I think. So, um, but the, the song, is about um, there was a time during the pandemic where Callie was sitting in front of our fireplace and she looked up at me and she just said, I think I'm in love with Harry Styles. And my, <laughs> and yeah. my first thought, yeah, well, my, my first thought wasn't like, uh, ouch, it was more like, no, you can't have him. Like he's, he's mine. I, I love Harry Styles. And so the whole song is kind of a funny uh, take on, you know, me daydreaming about Harry Styles and how it's okay that, that I love him and she loves him too. And, and he's great just enough. Love him. Yeah. He's everyone can just love Harry Styles. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Ever met him? Any, or no. Nope. Oh, well, I don't know. Sometimes you could be playing a festival that he's at. You never know. I mean, yeah, yeah. The industry is pretty tight knit. <laughs> someday someday <laughs> and your tour starts what, a couple days after the record comes out or the the song harry styles comes out i should say yeah 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 i think our first show is april 10th 14th 14th in denver mm-hmm. okay 
excited. Yeah. I mean, you're the, this is probably the first what tour back from a pandemic. Yeah, first Definitely. real first real tour. Yeah, we are so excited. Just we're counting down. Yeah, are painful you, days. Do you feel like you're going to be able to kind of give that record that came out in the beginning of what February on Valentine's Day, 2020, another kind of go? Or are you going to play some a lot of songs from that record, or just kind of that ran we'll put, its course already, and you're just going to move kind of forward? Yeah, more more the latter, I think. Okay. Sadly enough, but it's you know, it we we always like focusing on the things that we we did most recently, and and so we're sure. excited about the new album. So we'll play some songs off that one, but um, kind of similarly how we'll play songs from the older records too. But right, not spend too much time on it. Over right. more time than you would any other any other album. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Very cool. Well, Callie Martin, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I do have one more uh, quick question. If if you can, if I can get an answer from both of you, that'd be awesome. If you have any advice uh, for aspiring artists, yeah, yeah. Do you want to go first? You want me to? Sure. Um, my favorite piece of advice is probably opportunities will come, and some of them will seem huge like you can't possibly pass them up but people in the music industry often are out for money they're looking for the wrong things i think it's best to take a moment when you get an opportunity decide if it's right for you and either let it go if it's not or do it if it seems right because if it was meant to be for you if you're going to work out in this world it will come around again and it might come back when you're more prepared um, and less excited and, and in a position where you could make a big mistake and, and give away rights or lose too much money or just, I don't know, pick, pick the wrong thing for yourself because you were so excited about that little opportunity that maybe felt really big at the time. So just like taking a pause and getting some advice from people is my advice. I love it. What about That's you, great. Um, I would say don't make the mistake that I made, which is, you know, don't, don't try to bite off too much in the very beginning of your career. Don't try to, you know, start small and really spend your time building your hometown and the surrounding towns and building an, a really good tight knit audience there before you start having these big dreams of touring the country like I did, because <laughs> you will end up spending a lot of money and it will not be worth it. Um, <laughs> it. It is most worth it to build slowly and kind of spiral outwards from your hometown. <laughs> 